to get started tonight, I want to talk to you about developing the Jesus habit. Developing the Jesus habit. Kevin, your vacation's just about over. How long have you been on vacation? About six months. All right. So he's coming back to work. So Kevin's getting ready. All right. Developing the Jesus habit. So much of what we do every single day is the result of habits that we have formed over time. Where are the coffee drinkers in the mornings? You got your routine, don't you? You got your routine. You got, you, you got, you know exactly you're getting up, you're, you're doing whatever you do to beautify yourself, and then you're headed to the coffee pot. Or maybe you head to the coffee pot first. Maybe you have one of those fancy ones that starts automatically and wakes you up. You know, the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup, right? My mom and dad for years drank good to the last drop. Maxwell House. Was that good coffee? Maxwell House? I don't know. I just, it's bitter? Okay. So I don't know. I'm not a, I'm a I drink coffee once in a while. Usually before I go to bed. Amen. Is that crazy? And then I go to sleep. So I don't know what's going on. So we all have habits that we have formed over time. And when it comes to establishing healthy new patterns in our lives, spending time with God and acknowledging Him in all of our ways is one of the most important and rewarding habits we can ever develop. So I want to talk to you about developing this Jesus habit tonight. Look, we're going to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 in the King James says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The New Living Translation says, Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. A lot of times, a lot of times I, I think that we plan something, and then we consult God and say, well, I hope this is your will, because this is what we've already planned to do. I think that God would rather us consult him first and say, yes, you can do this, or no, you can't do this. I mean, okay, let me ask you this question for real. This is a for real question. If you wanted and I wanted to do something, and God told us not to do it, what would we do? Would we do it anyway because we wanted to? Or would we stay put to what God said to do right here? You see what I'm saying? So that would tell us and indicate to us how strong of an influence the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord has in our lives. For instance, every time we have moved as far as in ministry, it wasn't because you know that it's not because we are seeking a better climate to live in. Because this is not really a nice climate. I was in Alton today at 3 o'clock, and the sun was shining, and the birds were singing, and I had the windows in the car down because it was warm, it was comfortable. And I drove back to the great city of Vandalia, Illinois, And the closer I went, the more overcast and gloomy and cold it got again. 
And I'm like, this is just 50 miles. Really? What's going on here? So I know that in, in our ministry moves, it hasn't been because we're seeking out a better climate. We're seeking out a bigger church to work in uh, because the church that we left out in Maryland ran about 600. We came to a church that ran about 250. We were there 12 years, and when we left there, it was, it was running about 550 to 600. Then we came here to zero. Six. We had six. We had six. They all had the same last name, and they all came in the same minivan to church. That was the Zimmermans. That's what we started with. So we ask ourselves this question, am I doing this decision, making this plan, doing this habit for me or for the kingdom, for me or for God? The New Living says, seek his will in all you do, and he'll direct your paths. So let's go. From my own experiences, God helps, God's help, and presence is vital in my life. I have to have his presence in my life. I have to have the presence of the Lord in my life. If I wouldn't have the presence of the Lord in my life, I don't think I'd make it. It's the same way in church. I've got to have his presence in church. I can't just go to a dead church. I can't just go to a sterile church. I have to go to a church that there's action. I have to go to a church where something's happening. I have to go to a church where I see change happening in people's lives and in my life. God is the author of all true success and everything that's good. And without him, we can do nothing of true value. That has nothing to do with the store, true value, okay? Without the presence of God in our lives, everything else is going to burn, crumble, fade away. Everything we build one day is going to fade away and burn. If you ever build a house, that house you built, one day will burn. One day will fall down. One day we'll get bulldozed over for a new house. One of the saddest things I ever saw as far as demolition was over in Effingham at the corner of uh, Jefferson, and I don't know, maybe it's Shelby, not Shelby, but you remember the old vacuum cleaner place in Effingham? Does anybody remember the vacuum cleaner place in Effingham? Yeah, yeah, they bulldozed it. It's gone. It's just a lot now. It's like, oh my goodness, that was like an institution. Okay? So things are going to get old, wear out, and crumble. Only things done for God are going to last. Only things done for eternity are going to last. Spending time with God through prayer and His Word is a prerequisite for having a great life and fulfilling your purpose. Each of us have a purpose. Each of us have a plan. Psalm... uh is it Psalm 119, is it, or Psalm 116, verses 38 through 40? Before you were formed in the belly, I knew you. You were created in the secret parts. There was a book of destiny written about each and every one of us. God's plan and destiny is over our heads. Each one of us have a destiny. Each one of us have to pray this prayer. Lord, what do you want me to do? God has a plan for each and every one of us. And so we pray and we seek his word. And you know, this has been a pretty good life. I've had a pretty good life. I've tried in, in everything I do to seek him first. I've tried to seek out his word first. I've tried to seek out his will first. And I've had, I've had a good life. 
I've had a good life. I mean, I've been to Hawaii seven or eight times. I can't remember. Seven, I think. I have friends there. I've been on three or four continents. I've been in 20 or 25 countries. But I'm not going anywhere now. They said stay home. So you don't get the coronavirus. Now, this is a good life. It's a fulfilling life. I have peace in my mind. I have peace in my heart. I'm satisfied. I don't need to have a bigger house. I don't need to have a faster car. I don't need a bigger caliber gun. I don't need anything. Just his presence in my life. Now, it's true we can improve ourselves through discipline. We can have some success. We can have and eat the right diet. We can eat low carbs, high protein. But that's only going to take us so far because the truth is that nothing can really take the place of having a healthy relationship with the Lord. You've got to have a healthy relationship with the Lord. When it all comes down to it, having his presence present in our everyday lives is of utmost importance. Having his presence present in my life is what I seek after. Because if I have his presence, I got everything else. If I have his presence, I have everything I need. I remember my mind still goes back. I was a senior in high school, and we lived about 20 minutes from town. We lived out in the country. So it'd be like uh, we'd kind of live toward maybe between Pena and Okanee, and so that's how about how far out we lived out of town. And I was driving to school one day, and I remember coming up on this four-way intersection at the top of a hill. And at the top of the hill there, there was a car that was going to turn left, but it couldn't turn left because there was other traffic coming. And there was another car coming this way, and the the guy that was going to turn left did not have his turn signal on. And I was going probably 50 miles an hour, 45, 50 miles an hour. Brother Vernon, there was no way that I was going to get through there without taking somebody with me. And I remember this. I remember yelling, Jesus! And the next thing I know, I am on the other side of the intersection, still headed east, and all the cars are behind me, and I went on to the school. I didn't hit any cars. That's having his presence present with me. That's what I like. I like having his presence present with me in every day of my life. The Lord's been talking to me the last few months about getting deeper in his presence. Maybe the Lord's been talking to some of you about that. Maybe there's a way you can do that. We're going to, that's what we want to look at tonight. Hebrews 11.6 says that God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. The New King James Version says God is a rewarder of those who seek him. How much have we sought the Lord today? How much have we sought the Lord the last week, the last month, the last year, the last four or five years? Is our walk with the Lord on fire? Is our walk with the Lord kind of wanting? Am I better now than I was five years ago? Or am I losing ground? You know what I'm saying? On a scale of one to ten, what's my, what's my fervency with the Lord? And my relationship with him. Hebrews eleven six in the King James says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. 
For they that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Amplified says, whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. You have to seek out God on purpose. You have to be intentional. You have to want this. Wanting is a decision. Our whole life, every day, is made up of decisions and choices. Okay? You decide whether you're going to blow that diet or not that you're on. And just go eat all you can eat Chinese. You decide whether after you've eaten the Chinese that now it's time to go back on the diet. You decide and I decide what diet we're going to go on. We decide what clothes we're going to wear. We decide where we'd like to work. We decide what we'd like to drive. We decide who we'd like to marry. We decide where we'd like to live. We decide, can I afford that bass boat? Not really, but we decide we're going to get it anyhow because it's five years, same as cash. You get that $40,000 bass boat. Praise God. Hallelujah. That old Ranger bass boat. They're probably not even 40000 anymore. They're probably sixty-five. We get what we want because we make the decision. Does this make sense? So we have to decide how much of God do we want. How much of God do I want in my life? How much of God do I want in my kid's life, in my marriage? How much of, God, of the kingdom of God do I want in my everyday walk? If you earnestly and diligently seek after God, you'll find him. If you have a desire for God, you'll find him. He's not going to hide. He's not going to disappear and play hide and seek with you. He's going to be right there waiting for you to find him. We draw near to him. He fills our lives with strength, peace, joy, provision, and favor. And blesses us in ways that we cannot even imagine. God blesses us in ways that we cannot even imagine. You know, I'm, I heard last night about, about Kevin, Kevin Maxey, and he and I have been friends for 20, 25 years probably, maybe longer. And you don't know how short life is. Life is very fragile. And man, when you can wake up and dress yourself in the morning and go to work and nobody has to feed you, and nobody has to change a diaper on you. And you can talk and you can walk. That's pretty blessed. That's pretty blessed. Amen. So God blesses us in all these ways that we can't even imagine. Prayer doesn't just change things. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. I came in here yesterday morning to pray for a while. And, and I was praying about a certain situation and it was like, I couldn't really tune in to that situation at first. I started praying about some other things until finally my spirit went, was able to connect with that need that I thought I needed to pray for. What was happening? God was changing me. God said, I want you to pray about this first in your life. We can take care of that later, but I want you to pray about this. So prayer doesn't change things. It changes us. And if we are diligent in seeking him, Slowly and surely we become better people. 
Hopefully I'm a better person than I was 10 years ago. Hopefully I'm a better person than I was 45 years ago. Hopefully we're all better than we were. Did you see Addie's shirt tonight? I think I need that shirt. It says, treat people with kindness. Now I'd have to get a bigger size than Addie's wearing. Treat people with kindness. So I'm seeking God, and I'm becoming a better person. I don't yell quite as quick up at the road rage intersection like I used to. I don't always just come up there in the fourth position and take off to the first position. Not always. There still are times. There still are times. God's working on me. God's changing me. God is wanting to change each and every one of us. So let's put first things first. Getting this Jesus habit down. Putting first things first. All right? When it comes to our everyday habits, it's important to ask this question. Am I putting God first? Am I putting God first? And you say, okay, well, pastor, you put God first because that's your business. That's your uh, job. It's a calling. But I have to, you have to ask yourself this question. When I wasn't a pastor, did I put God first? When I was just a young Christian, just getting full of the Holy Ghost, did I put God first? When I was in Bible college, I wasn't a pastor yet. I wasn't an evangelist yet. But did I put God first? So it's not just, well, you know, you're in the church. That's your job. Sure, you're going to put God first, but... You know, Frank works at Walmart. How's, how's Frank going to put God first working at Walmart? How are you going to do that, Frank? We're going to tell you. You don't even have to think about it. We're going to tell you, right? So am I putting God first in my life? How do I do that? Well, before I went to college, I got the Holy Ghost when I was 15 years old. And before I went to college at 18... I had that three-year span there. That's three-year span. The first thing I did after I got the Holy Ghost was I started doing Bible studies, teaching myself Bible studies. I got tapes. My brother, my brother had lots of books and lots of tapes. Uh, they don't have tapes anymore. They have tapes for like you know, um, for Christmas presents. That's tapes. But these were like they called them cassette tapes, right? And Randall's got a few still. So these tapes, I'd throw them in, and I'd hear this preacher preaching, and I'd hear this this preacher preaching on this scripture. Then I'd go to this one. I, I picked up, uh, my brother had a big Bible study chart, and it, it had tw- uh, 10 lessons in it. And he had, he had lessons recorded from preachers who had taught this Bible study. I gave that Bible study to myself. I sat down and took notes, and I taught myself the Bible that way. Somebody looks at me and says, Pastor, how do you know all those scriptures? Dude, I've been, put, I've been feeding myself for 40 years. Okay? I've been putting the word in here for 40 years. I've been putting tapes in here. I've been putting sermons in here. I've been putting books in here. Now, at this point, I'm just 15. I'm just a, I'm just a kid on a farm. I'm 15 years old, but I'm doing Bible study to myself. And then, and then uh, Christmas Christmas of 1981. What did I want for Christmas 1981? I wanted a a nice big Bible. And at that time, they didn't have a lot of translations and versions out then. 
I had King James, and I wanted a Thompson chain. You ever heard of that? All right. So I wanted a Thompson chain. Guess what I got for Christmas? Thompson chain Bible. That's kind of being a nerd. You're 15, and you want a Bible for Christmas. What other 15-year-old kids want that for Christmas? They want other things. Well, most of them aren't even living for God now. Some of them aren't even alive now, 39 years later. But here I am. What am I doing? I am putting God first. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm just a saint of God right now, putting that in there. So I get that, I get that Thompson chain, and I start to read it, Kevin. I start reading that Thompson chain all the way through every year. I'd read that Bible, cover to cover, all the way through. And, Kevin, you know what else I'd do? I colored it. Yes, I colored it. I marked it up. I've drawn arrows. I still have that Bible. That Bible went with me to Bible college. I still have it. It's at home on my nightstand. But I can look at it, and I can, or I, need, I know a scripture. I can quote it, but I don't know quite where it's at, but I can see it. I can see it on which page it's on. I can see which column it's on. I just got to go find it. What am I doing? I'm putting God first. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So then my life changes and I get a job at a grocery store. And and my my schedule starts to pack up. I'm 16, 17 years old. And I get up in, in the morning at 7 o'clock. And I go to school until 3.30. At 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I go to the grocery store. I work from 4 until 9 at the grocery store, usually anywhere from 3 to 4 nights a week. I would work anywhere from 28 to to 35 hours a week at the grocery store, plus went to school full-time. So what happened then? Then when I would come home, I would eat supper. My mom would have supper, a plate ready for me. And one of the most fanciest things that we ever discovered at that time, Vernie, was this. It was called a microwave. They had just came out. And it was amazing. You throw a plate of food in the microwave and cover it up, and it heats your food in a minute and a half, two minutes. And it's like, it'll burn your mouth if you're not careful. So then I would eat. Then I would do homework. Then what would happen? I'd still read my Bible at night. I'm a night owl. I would read my Bible before I went to bed. There were some nights if I didn't have homework that I would actually have a little prayer meeting some nights kevin i can remember having the prayer meeting i get started in it and i i would suddenly realize that my legs had fallen asleep because i was on my knees praying and i fell asleep while i was praying but my legs began to go to sleep and i can remember feeling my legs tingling and being asleep and then as, as i was waking up i'd wake up speaking in tongues but I'm still not a pastor. I'm still not an evangelist. I'm just a boy of God. I'm just a KG, KJB. You know what that is? It's King Jesus boy. I was just King Jesus boy. KJB, King Jesus boy. So what am I doing now? I'm still reading the word. I'm still praying. When I got done with my Bible study, those of you who have a Thompson chain know that in the back, every book in the Bible has been outlined by a Thompson chain. You know what I'm talking about? So then I would go through every outline and take notes. I would go through every book 
who the author of the book was, what period of time was it written, what are the main events of the book, what what are the main spiritual things that came out, what are the main uh, implications of history in each book. But I'm still not a pastor, I'm still not an evangelist. I'm just a KJB, King Jesus boy. I'm putting God first. I'm putting God first. So now it's hard 39 years later when they say, Pastor, how do you know all those scriptures? It's hard for me to just explain it. Well, I just memorized them. I have made myself a student of the word. I have made myself hungry for the word. I have made myself want the word. And so I'm I'm putting in my everyday habits, I'm putting God first. I hope this is helping somebody. I'm not telling you this to to make you feel bad that you maybe haven't done this. I'm just telling you my experience. And then I went to college. And so now I'm in Bible college for three years. I graduated. It was a three-year program. I graduated. I made it through. I remember second year of Bible college, the class from the underworld, from Hades, from hell, was Hebrews. And I can remember writing anywhere from 10 to 15, or typing anywhere from 10 to 15 pages on each chapter every week. I got an A. I also learned how to type because Sister Knable across the way, she charged you a buck a page to type for you. Well, hey, that was back in 1984-85. A buck was a big buck then. I figured by the time I got through Hebrews, Brother Bernie, I could go out and buy me a Smith Corona electronic typewriter and do it myself. So if you ever see me typing, I don't use home keys. My, my pinky sticks up. I don't know why it does. Amy walks by and says, why is your pinky sticking up? You got problems? And I said, I, this is how I type. I type with my pinky up. Okay, pinky. Just putting God first. Still reading the Bible through. Still doing that. Now I'm still not a pastor. I'm still not an evangelist. I'm still just a student of the Bible, putting God first. What what are you trying to tell me, Pastor? I'm telling you that Frank, before he goes to work, he can get up a little bit earlier and he can read a chapter or two in the New Testament. I'm telling you, if he's not a morning person, if he's a night owl, he can have a prayer meeting when he comes home from work. Well, what happens if I get sleepy and I fall asleep while I'm praying? I'd rather fall asleep praying than fall asleep watching television. At least you're in his presence. Amen? You see what I'm saying? So putting God first. Let's get off that slide. That's a whole lot of talking I did. It can be easy to put ourselves and our reputations first or our friends first or our possessions first. But when we continue to put everything else ahead of the Lord, we cheat ourselves out of some good, something good that God wants us to have. So let's do an evaluation in your life tonight. Do I have a devotion time? Do I have a prayer time? Do I read the Bible? Some people say you need to read in the mornings. Some people say you need to pray at night. Some people say you don't need to pray at all. I tried for many years to work God into my schedule, but it seemed like I never found time. I would try. Listen, I'm not a morning person. I'm just telling you. This one hour of lack of sleep, I would rather have went to the Philippines and back. Okay? 
It's 14-hour time difference right now in the Philippines. So right now it's 10 o'clock on uh, Thursday morning in the Philippines. I would have rather done that than lose this hour of sleep Saturday night. This hour is killing me. I'm about like Ginger and her short cabinets, you know? And so I'm trying to work God in, and it's hard. Mornings were hard for me. When I was in Bible college, when I was in Bible college, there were mornings that I could get to prayer, but I could never get to breakfast. There were times then in the mornings where I backslid and I went to breakfast for biscuits and gravy. That's why I look like this. I've had lots of biscuits and gravy, okay? And, but I never make prayer. So what am I going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got good intentions, but procrastination gets, gets a hold of me. I'm always trying to spend time with God later on, one more thing to do, and God, and then I'm going to spend it with you. But listen, find a slot that fits. My best time was at night. My best time was after curfew. Man, when I told my kids about the curfew in Bible college, they, they lost it. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe we had curfews like we did. Curfew. You're to be in the dorm area by 9.30. Monday night through Thursday night. 9.30. Unless you're working. Weekends, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, you can be out to 11.30. If you want to leave for the weekend, Frank, you fill out a leave request. Submit it to the office. There's a chance it'll get denied. If it gets denied, you stay there. If you go anyway and they find out, you're going to be on detention. Then you will stay in for a week or two. Freshmen could not date first semester. Wow. We didn't even take an oath for the U.S. military. You could not date for the first semester. You know why? You don't know that person. You don't know them in two weeks, two months. You may think she's the prettiest thing since mustard and bologna. Two months later, you're thinking, God, thank God for that rule. Man, wow, some things change real fast. And so we go through all that, all this discipline, and, and nighttime was good for me. I could do my homework. If I didn't have homework, I could go to the prayer room there at the Bible college. I had a prayer room, and I could go in there, and I could pray all night long. Brother Johnny's been there. He knows. They had these real in the they had these big solid wood benches about that wide and you sat on them you know well what I do is I'd prop them up and I'd lay on the floor and I'd prop my legs up over the bench because they said that helps the blood run down to the back to your spine and to your head and it helps you get some energy and so I can remember laying in there and praying and in the prayer room and Sometimes I'd go to sleep and wake up speaking in tongues. I do remember one night, now you ever seen a roach in Texas? They start about that big, and they fly. They're not really cockroaches. They're actually water bugs, honey. But they, you put saddles on them, and you can ride them. I do remember one night I was praying, and a roach ran right across my face. 
I was down on the floor, had my legs up on one of those stools, and I was just praying away, and about that time, whew, man, I didn't know if the angels or the demons were coming out. I just, it did not go in my mouth, but I came up out of there in Jesus' name. All right. So, I would rather pray at night. What are you saying? I'm saying, just find something. Get somewhere where you can start to develop. You know, not much was working right when I when I get in a place where I'm not praying. I get frustrated. I wasn't making much progress. And so when God finally gets me through, you got to learn what schedule works for you. You got to find what schedule and how you and God can can work together hand in hand to do all of this. All right. Jesus said in Matthew 11:28, He said, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden." And overburden, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. All right? So, just come to Jesus. Simple thing is, come to the Lord and figure out a plan. Did not God wire you like you are? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you being mean to everybody. Praise God. God just made me. He called me to be mean to everybody in the world. No, 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 no. I'm talking about God wired you. Why are you a morning person? Why are you a night person? Why are you, you know, wired like you are? Why? Because God made us each different. And so we come to Jesus like we are. It's not about having a program to follow, but listen, it's simply about forming a habit of putting God first in everything we do. If we seek first his kingdom, that he's promised to add everything else that we need. Matthew 6.33. Mark it down, Kevin. Color it. Print it. Highlight it. Matthew 6.33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. New Living says it like this. And he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him. And make the kingdom of God your primary concern. You know what I tell single people who's in their mid-20s, early 30s, and they're still single? I say, listen, if you will date Jesus and treat him like your girlfriend, boyfriend, you'll be surprised that he will actually bring one to you. They look at me. I say, well, what I'm telling you is, if you just make Jesus your main focus, He's going to add everything else you need. He's going to add everything else we need if we make him our primary concern. So how do we begin? Where do we begin? The easiest way to start the Jesus habit is this, somewhere. Just start somewhere. Just find a spot and start. Okay? Those of us who did a New Year's resolution, we're going to lose weight. We, well, it's over. That was 10 weeks ago. You haven't lost a thing. You ain't lost a dime. Haven't lost anything. So many people, watch, many people never start at all because they think they need to change a huge chunk of time to begin. Or they end up doing nothing if they feel like they can't do everything. We overload our plates with expectation. Does that make sense? We overload ourselves and our plate with expectations. 
And when that ex- expectation does not come to pass, then we throw the, the baby out with the bathwater. We just say, forget it. You know how you're feeling. You're on that diet, that keto diet. And then somebody said you get the flu with the keto. Well, my Lord, why would you want to get a diet and have a flu at the same time? Now, I know that I can't do it. I'm addicted to carbohydrates. I'm addicted to sugar. I've been like this for 50 years. I know the people that got me hooked on it. My grandmother got me hooked on sugar. Sugar, tons of sugar. So I'm not even going to start that. But I'm, I'm like, you know what, if I can watch my calories, if I can eat more protein than I can carbs, if I can switch some things out, then maybe i got a chance here. Walking with God. Just start somewhere. Here's a recommendation. Start by taking some time in the morning to talk with God in prayer, read his word, even if it's just five or ten minutes. I work for one boss. you got to pray an hour a day. 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 So I did. I prayed an hour a day. I prayed from 5 until 6 a.m. Prayed an hour a day. The next boss that I went to said, hey, if you can just do 15 minutes as long as you're consistent. Because he was coming from the, from the vantage point that a lot of people can't pray an hour a day. That's a lot of time. Anybody ever pray an hour a day? While you're praying an hour a day, or while you're praying, how many times do you look at the watch and say, how long have I been praying? Six minutes. You thought it was time to leave. You still got 54 more minutes. Like, oh, no. You see what I'm saying? Just start with 10 or 15 minutes because something is better than nothing. Something is better than nothing. Just five or 10 minutes. Now, let's do this. I'm not a morning person. I probably can't get that. I'm just being honest. Okay? Just being honest. So if I'm going to start praying in the morning, it's when I get in the shower. That's my Folgers. That hot steam. I start to breathe it in. You get that dial soap going. Boy, I tell you. Anybody here use dial? Whew, that stuff stinks. We used to use that all the time. Somehow we got some a bar of dial come through the house there a few months ago. It's like, oh, my goodness. I was the only one that used it. Of course, I came. You don't waste anything. You use it till it's gone. Amen. So if you plan on spending your time with him later in the day, then let's take at least a few moments in the morning to get started with God on your mind. All right. So I'm in Bible college, and one of my best friends is he's a morning person. I mean, he's up at 430 in the morning. He was my friend, and I hated his guts. All right. 4.30 4.30 in the morning, he was up. He was smiling at 4.30 in the morning. His name was Vincent Hiller. Vincent Hiller. I'll never forget. And and here I am. I'm a night person. He's going to bed at 9.30. I'm just getting ready to party at 9.30. And then he pulls a scripture out on me, and it says, It is vain to stay up late and rise up early. That did not help our friendship any. But at 4.30, he's up, smiling, ready to pray. 
And I'm at 4.30, I'm still sawing logs. So I'm pray, I've already prayed. I prayed from 10.30 or 11 up to 12.30 or 1. What am I doing? I'm taking, and, and he would say, at least you need to start out with God in your day. And I just say, I'm trusting God that if I give him some of my night hours, he's going to take care of my day until I get up. So it's, it doesn't, just, just find time. Just start somewhere. Does that make sense? Is that all right? Acknowledge the Lord. Ask him for his help. It can be simple as this. God, you know I love you. I appreciate everything you do for me. I really need your help with my day. I need help with my day, Lord. I need help. Sometimes we're defeated because we try to begin where we should be finishing or we try to do what someone else is doing. No, you're not going to be like anybody else. You're your own person. God made you special just like you are. Work with his plan that he's put together in your life. Start somewhere. If you're a morning person, where are you morning people? Where are you? Are you in here? Are we all night out? Morning people? Nobody? Just because you have to? Are all of you night owls? Clark's a morning person. Clark's a morning person. Clark wakes up without an alarm clock. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine. How do you, I can't even wake up with an alarm now you know these phones, you can set a, an alarm every minute. Every minute an alarm can go off. And man, I, I did better when I set one alarm. I've set three the last week, and I've slept through two of them at least two mornings in a row. And it's like, oh, well, how about this? So if you're a morning person, It'll change. I'm ready for fall. Get that hour back. So if you're a morning person, that's your time. Do it. But listen, you're a morning person. Don't cast on us night folks. Or are you, now, where's the night owls at? True night owls. Listen. Listen. We love it and we hate it. It's, do you hate it? Do you wish you'd go to bed? Why can't I go to bed? Why can't, it's it's a it's midnight. Why can't I go to bed? You think you're going to miss something. You think there's something that you can do. There's something you might miss, or it's so it's much peaceful now, and I'll just get everything done now. And then in the morning, when you can't get up, it's like, oh, I wish I would go to bed at night. Does anybody pray that prayer? You can't get up because you're a night owl, and then you're wishing to God that somehow you would go to bed at night. But then. When you go to bed early as a night owl, then you wake up at 3.30 or 4 and can't go back to sleep. And you're like, and you're 4 and 5, 5.30. And then you suddenly fall asleep at 5.30 and the alarm goes off at 7. And then you can't get up. And it's like, ah, there was two and a half hours that I could have been sleeping. But no, I couldn't sleep. So find where you fit. Find where you fit. Okay? The truth is God will meet you right where you're at right now. Take steps of faith. He'll give you grace and strength you need. So in this lesson tonight, find a place in your schedule that will work for you. 10 or 15 minutes. Find a place in your schedule that will work for you, morning or night.
And don't allow yourself to not to simply do nothing because you can't do a lot. Just do a little thing. Just do something little. You don't have to do the whole, you don't have to pray for an hour on your knees until your legs fall asleep and you wake up speaking in tongues. You don't have to do that. I needed that. That was me. Okay? But you don't have to have that. Just get your 10 or 15 minutes in. Because then it, it, it will form a habit of spending time with God. And you start small and you go from there. Amen? Today I can say that I'm addicted to spending time with God because it has become a necessity for me. I've had to be in his presence. Now, I spend time with him in prayer. I'll come in here and pray. There's sometimes, I used to go back here and pray when we could find the pond. Now we can't find the pond because it's all grown up, all the brush and weeds. But I used to sit back there in my car and, and over the, just look over the water and just pray. I pray in my car. I pray in the shower. I pray when I'm working on a project. I was painting the other day over at Megan's house, a couple rooms, and man, I hit the podcast. Not mine, not ours. I hit Bishop Jake's podcast. I heard an hour and 45 minutes of Holy Ghost preaching. Man, it was good. Why? Because I got to be in his presence. Just find something where you can get in his presence. You know, you might be in a point in your life right now where you're ready to form that Jesus habit, that God habit. Maybe you haven't had one until, and, and the Lord's been talking to you about it. Listen, if the Lord's talking to you about it, then he's wanting you to do it. All right? If the Lord's wanting you to have this time, then he's wanting you to have this habit, this Jesus habit. I want you to, what we're going to do, I want you to just bow your heads here in just a moment. We're going to pray. It's not going to be a, a super-duper prayer. It's going to be something simple. But it's going to simply be, I want you to be able to see in your schedule and in your life where you can start a Jesus habit, where you can form a Jesus habit. Now, another thing is this. You know, you hear pre preachers say and uh, you ever been to a marriage retreat? Oh, the husbands and the wives, they pray together. Okay, let me tell you something about that. That's a beautiful idea, okay? But sometimes you can't pray together with your wife if you're married, okay? If you're single, for sure you can't pray with her, right? What I'm saying is this. Don't get discouraged if... if uh, you hear people say, well, husbands and wives should pray together, but you can't because sometimes schedules don't allow it. There are some times when, when uh, Amy and I, we're praying, and we do pray together once in a while. Sometimes it doesn't work praying together once in a while. Sometimes I need my alone time. She needs her alone time. See what I'm saying? So don't just listen to what this one says or that one says and say, oh, if I don't have this, then that's not going to satisfy. Do your 10 or 15 minutes with what God has given you in your life and do that and start forming that Jesus habit. All right, let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now for every brother and sister in this room. I pray, God, that 
through what I've said tonight somewhere, under the unction of your spirit, that we have all been able to see a spot in time, a place in a routine of life, that, God, we can begin to give you that Jesus moment. We can begin to form that Jesus habit in our lives. Maybe some of us are night owls, some of us are early risers, morning folks. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray now that your spirit will begin to illuminate to each and every one of us when you would like for us to meet with you, when you would like for us to seek your word, when you would like for us to spend that 10 or 15 minutes in prayer. Lord, we're not even going to attempt to start out with 20 or 30 minutes or an hour of prayer. We're just going to attempt to start a habit, to start a Jesus habit, that in the name of Jesus, I can begin to develop this habit that it becomes a daily routine. Just like Adam and Eve were in the garden and in the cool of the evening, they would hear your voice walking through the garden to come and fellowship with them. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name right now, give us that time. Give us that place. Give us that plan, each and every one of us, that will work for the way we've been created. For each one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. Each one of us are so unique, God. Every fingerprint that we have is different from all the others. All of us have different numbers of hairs on our head. And all of us, Lord, have a different destiny and plan written over us from the beginning of time that you have authored. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that, God, somehow we would develop this habit to read your word, to pray, whether it be early in the morning, whether it be at night, whether it be at noontime when the, the family's all away and we're all by ourselves in the house. But, Lord, that, that place where we can go on a daily occasion, that place where we can go on Monday and Thursday and Saturday and Sunday and Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, where we can seek after you. We just ask you, Lord, right now to open our eyes to it in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Say it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's look it over to develop that Jesus habit in our lives. So what I've shared with you tonight, for the most part is, is before I was a pastor, I was a seeker. So I'm not just a seeker because I'm a pastor and that's my job. I was a seeker before. I had somebody just the other last week, how do you know all those scriptures? And I really couldn't say I really couldn't say how I did, but I know this. When I was putting it in, the Lord was burning it on my mind and on my brains, on my brain cells. And it just happened. Amen? It just happened. Let's stand. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight.